0: Rebooted in 2014, TEDxMSU is a collaboration between Michigan State University's students, alumni, faculty, and friends, as well as the larger East Lansing community. Dedicated to ideas worth spreading, TEDxMSU's conference features interdisciplinary presenters, including those from the MSU community, expressing their past experiences, current projects, and future visions to promote inquiry and critical discussion. This year's conference, Resurgence 2022, will be hosted in person and presents an opportunity for speakers to share their field of expertise with others and shed light on important issues in society. Stay connected with TEDxMSU by following them on Instagram and Facebook at TEDxMSU or go to TEDxMSU.org to learn more.
1: Hatchcast is brought to you by Women in Entrepreneurship. Women in Entrepreneurship's mission is to inspire and support women interested in entrepreneurship Through a collaborative, innovative, and empowering network. To learn more, visit MSUE.com.
2: Hey, Hatchcast listeners, it's Karina, and I'm here with my second ever executive produced episode of the podcast. I'm really excited for this episode. I wanted to kind of expand upon that conversation around the more creative, non-traditional uses of the entrepreneurial skill set that we started back in December when I talked with Isaiah Johns about music entrepreneurship. But today we're talking about fashion. So I have two amazing guests, Leah and Olivia. They're both students here at MSU who are doing some really exciting and entrepreneurial things in the fashion industry. I would also like to add that they both showed up to record the episode in great outfits and I wish you could see, but for now, the audio will have to do. We had a really great conversation that I'm so excited for you to listen to all about fashion and kind of getting into the industry when we're not exactly in a fashion capital type of city and how they're using entrepreneurship to really take charge and build their own opportunities in fashion. The three of us actually all connected originally through vim magazine which if you don't know is our campus's entirely student-run fashion beauty and lifestyle publication we're all involved in it in various ways i personally am on the photography team and we've ended up working on a lot of the shoots together and we do mention it quite a few times in the episode so i just wanted to kind of explain what it is really quick and hey if you are an msu student interested in fashion and getting some hands-on experience, connecting with a lot of other creative, talented people, Vim is a great resource, a great opportunity that I know we would all recommend. So along with Leah and Olivia's information and links, I will make sure we also include some links to Vim in this episode show notes as well. But yes, without further ado, let's get right into the conversation. <laughs> So I guess the first thing is just to have you both introduce yourself, kind of who you are, what you do, how you're connected to MSU, and how you're connected to the fashion industry. Leah, if you want to start us off. My name is Leah.
1: Um, I have a brand that goes by the name of Leah Gabriel, because it is my name and my middle name. And I'm a part of the ATD program here at MSU. Um I make clothes. I design clothes. Um, I recently just did a show in New York last week for New York Fashion Week, which went really good. And yeah, I just really—I've um, always had such a passion for making clothes and like creating things and stuff like that. So just happy to be here. Awesome.
2: And
0: Liv, if you want to give a little rundown too? Um, yeah, I'm Olivia. Um, I am a marketing student here at MSU, but I'm also minoring in entrepreneurship. And I have a blog called Live in Style, L-I-V, because people call me (laughs) Live. And I basically started it my junior year of high school. And I've just been writing about fashion. It's really, like, morphed into more lifestyle, but I still do really love fashion. And I started an Instagram for it when I got to college. And I discovered I love, like, vlogging, sharing my outfits, and doing all of that stuff. And, like, kind of creating an influence, especially, like, since— michigan's pretty small like my content gets directed towards a lot of just michigan people and i even started like my tiktok recently and doing like lifestyle and fashion stuff and it's gained a lot of traction which is really cool but um besides that at msu i'm in the fashion magazine so i've gotten to work with leah before which is really fun but um, i'm the creative beauty director so we do all of the makeup for the magazine
2: Awesome. That's so exciting. Well, I'm really excited to talk with you two today. I think we're in for a really great discussion about fashion and kind of breaking into the industry in a city, even state, or even region. Shout out to the Midwest that is not (laughs) a fashion capital, and how entrepreneurship and the entrepreneurship skills and mindset can really help with that. So you both kind of started to touch on this, but kind of looking at the beginning, what is really what got you interested in the fashion industry
1: and kind of considering it as like a serious career path for you? So personally, I've like always wanted to make clothes as long as I can remember. I started sewing when I was like seven years old. So it's kind of been something that's run through me this entire time. And my dad's an artist, so I kind of inherited the creative gene or whatever. But um. I don't know. I've always taken it very seriously. I kind of always knew that's something I wanted to have in my life for a very long time. And I just kind of feel like it's more than just clothes. It's kind of like a, it's an art form as well. So I wish more people looked at it that way. But um, yeah, I guess I've always kind of taken it serious. When I was in the 10th grade is when I really like started sewing clothes for people and started selling things. And like before then, I used to be making little jewelry and stuff like in middle school or whatever to sell to people. But yeah, so I guess I, like, really started to take it serious when I was, like, in high school, when I started um, selling things, like, hair wraps and rags throughout school and stuff, just to, like, make a little money to do—make other things and stuff, so, yeah. And then when I got here, I just really uh, started to take on more customers and clients and just start making things just to make them and stuff. And I think uh, the ATD program has helped me a lot to learn, like, techniques and things of that nature, so, yeah.
0: Liv, what about you? I've always loved fashion and kind of just, like, at school, I used to pride myself that I've never worn sweats to school before. <laughs> that was that was high school. Now I wear sweats all the time. But um, I don't know. My friends always saw me as fashionable, and, like, I loved to help them, like, make outfits. And for prom, I would do makeup and hair. And I got voted Miss Vogue and, like, all of this stuff. <laughs> and it just really, like, kind of gave me— a, like, the direction where I really liked being, like, an influence, and I never really took it seriously, and then I started posting on my Live In Style um, Instagram, like, way more often, and I started seeing, like, getting more followers, and Lots of comments and people asking me where I got things. And I was like, oh, my God, this is so cool. And then I would see people on TikTok, like, getting PR packages and all this stuff. And that's still something, like, I aspire to do is get the PR packages. (laughs) But I, like, haven't really had the time to, like, reach out to companies. and Because I'm doing some other entrepreneurial things on the side. But um, during quarantine, I did my first launch on my blog. I did a bunch of uh, repurposed and resell, like, clothing. And I sewed all throughout quarantine and, like, was thrifting and thrift flipping and making all these cute outfits. And then I finally had one big drop, and it sold out in, like, 24 hours. And I was, like, so excited. And it was a lot of family and friends (laughs) and things like that. But then people were, like, posting in my outfits, and it just, like, it felt so good. And I realized once I got back to school, I brought my sewing machine with me. I brought all that stuff, but I had none of the time. And I realized I did it all because of quarantine. So that's something I definitely want to, like, attempt to get back into. So I'm actually designing for the fashion show for VIM magazine. So that's like a deadline that's forcing me to get my sewing machine out. (laughs) So I'm really excited for that. Awesome. Well, that's that's going to be really exciting
2: to see. So it sounds like you guys both obviously definitely have like that entrepreneurial spirit with like starting the blog and starting the brand. Kind of looking at the fashion industry, is there any experience that you guys have had with like jobs or internships so far external to your own entrepreneurial ventures that have kind of been an interesting learning experience, kind of helped you get your foot in
1: the door in the industry? In high school, I started working at this boutique um, in Detroit. And uh, my boss there, she, like, really helped me so much, like, learning how to make my stuff look nice, learning how to sell to people, how to come off as professional. And it's like she just, like, really instilled, like, a lot of things in me that I learned from. Like, if I didn't start working there when I did, like, I probably wouldn't be as far as I am now, I guess, if I could say that. But, yeah, like, um, it's a boutique called Classy Lady in Detroit. But she helped me out a lot, and um, she taught me different techniques and all these other things. And I also did a couple of mentorships with other people where they just kind of taught me certain things. Because I always, like, tried to reach out to people to get that type of information. Like, I wouldn't have even gotten that job if I didn't DM her, like, hey, do you need an intern? <laughs> I could be your intern. But yeah, like, different things like that. So I guess I was always just looking for ways to, like, get help in that. And I always also was— um, involved in this program called the Mint Artist Guild, and they also helped me. I used to do a lot of art fairs, and I, I would sell, like, hand-painted jackets and stuff, but I would that helped me get way more of, like, a business mindset. I often, like, brought up little uh, paintings of, like, uh, croquis and stuff with, like, flowers and things. Like, I would sell those to people, but just having that face-to-face contact with customers, And just being able to talk to people just, like, really helped me gain more experience in the entrepreneurial side, thanks.
2: Awesome. That's so cool. That's, like, the original job you were talking about really helped you with, like, the professionalism as well as, like, the actual hard skills and, like, techniques and stuff. That's Mm -hmm. definitely a really important thing to have. What about you? Any more external kind of experiences?
0: So I worked at a boutique as well for a summer. And I wish I had the same experience. (laughs) I I really hope they don't listen to this. They won't. But um, the store was in Birmingham, and it really opened my eyes to the kind of clientele that really does buy designer fashion. And um, they're not the nicest, (laughs) I will say. And my job was a lot of, like, um, I was a retail assistant, so I did a lot of cleaning. I learned how to wrap a great present. Uh, I steamed a lot of clothing. And that type of thing. So I really did, like, that was a really great experience for me because it made me realize, like, how I really like being an entrepreneur and I really like being the one leading my brand and things like that. It was a great experience, but it was definitely not one for me. (laughs) Um, But if I never had that job, I would never have met Sabrina Spanta. She was a contestant on Project Runway for this season. And she walked into Tender one day to try to sell them her new design and I heard the word Project Runway and I was like oh my god I have to get her number so I before she left the store I was like hey like if you're ever looking for an intern like here's my number and blah 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 and I even mentioned Vim I was like if you want to speak at Vim like we would love to have you blah blah so after that uh she reached out and we got coffee together and I brought my resume and showed her my Instagram and a few things and she was like yes I would love for you to help me So, I worked with her for about like three, four months, and it was the most amazing experience. She really had me like hands on in building a brand and especially like a luxury brand. So, we would like source fabrics together and sketch, and I would help her with like building the whole Shopify and I really love to write so I wrote her like biography and I wrote all the Instagram captions and taking photos and photo shoots so it was a very like hands-on experience and it's one that I wish I could still be doing but it was very demanding obviously starting a business is like all hands on deck so love Sabrina she's doing amazing things and hopefully in the future I can help her again so that's That's a wonderful experience
2: yeah Absolutely. That's definitely like sounds like you guys both have had some incredible, amazing mentors. Shout out to all of them. That's super great. <laughs> um, kind of a similarity that I noticed between both of you guys kind of talking about those stories is that it sounds like you both went out and asked for jobs. It wasn't like you're finding, you know, a listing that's out there already. You went out of your way to find the people and kind of create your own opportunities, which... I mean, I'm going to assume probably helps in the Midwest when there's not like a super strong like fashion industry that kind of exists here. So what other kind of ways have you guys found that really help to not only get your foot in the door, but to kind of find those experiences in a place that maybe doesn't have
1: them so obviously in the forefront? So I'm so happy that we were born in the generation of the Internet because if we were not— A lot of things will be way harder than they're supposed to be. Um, Honestly, this past year, like I wasn't, well, the year before, like 2020, I really wasn't on TikTok, but last year I was on TikTok and like so many clients have came to me from TikTok that aren't even from Michigan. And I think that just like trying to reach out of just our general area is what really Help spread because, like you said, Michigan isn't like an epicenter of fashion mm-hmm. or anything. But um, we can make it that way if we bring more attention and stuff to what's going on in Detroit or in metropolitan cities surrounding, uh, like East Lansing and the students that go here who are ATD students. Like I feel like if we can reach the eyes and ears of people all around, then you know, then we can make it that way. Yeah. So the internet definitely is a huge help. TikTok has brought me so many people out of state. I got one person, not the country. Um, but that didn't go well. We're not going to talk about that. But, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, like it just really like uh, opens up a lot of opportunities and stuff. You, you never know who you'll meet, especially when you're out of town talking to different people. I try and make it a, um, a point to meet other people while I'm not in places usually because, you know, you never know where that connection could lead you. Just like how Olivia just said she met bring it from Project Runway. Like that's amazing. Like but you have to be willing to go and talk to people. People aren't just going to come and talk to you. So I second that. I agree. And in your
0: question you said like the the fashion industry isn't in the forefront, but it's totally in the foreground. Like after working with Sabrina, I did not realize how big the fashion industry was in Detroit. And I didn't even know there were, like, clothing manufacturers in Detroit, like, all of these boutiques and incubators. They have fashion incubators. And she just got her collection in Detroit's New Black. And, like, they gave her a little section of the boutique, but they also had, like, a little launch party for her. Like, there are so many cool things happening. And in not just Detroit, like, Michigan as a whole. Like, we had one woman talk to us from VIM. She's, like, the founder or the director of Michigan Fashion Week. I did not even know we had one, like, no, at okay. all. And so, actually, after listening to her, I was, like, I was wondering why we don't have, like, a fashion week in Detroit. It's kind of weird. Like, um, I'm totally going to butcher it. Was it Bottega? Yeah, uh, Bottega. Bottega I mean. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they had a show in Detroit, which I thought was so insane. Like, a major designer coming to Detroit to, like, showcase their work. So, I think in the next few years, it's going to really, like, start to blow up. I think Detroit is a huge— entrepreneurial incubator for not just fashion, but, like, a lot of other brands. And people are starting to realize it. And I swear, give it, like, five years, maybe less, like, it's going to be crazy. And I'm so excited to be,
1: like, in the middle of it. So. I definitely agree. Like, Detroit itself uh, and me being from there, it's like, there's so many hustlers in Detroit. Like, people are working in Detroit trying to get their stuff out there. And there's so many entrepreneurs, like, Everybody owns a business. You could talk to them. They'll be like, "Yeah, I own a business. I do this. I do that." But it's just because there's like a lot of drive there. So I do agree with you. I feel like in the next couple of years, people are starting to pay attention. But I feel like they're really going to start looking when they realize all the stuff that we have going on to Detroit too.
0: Yeah,
1: and then Leah will be like the big show. Up. Oh my god, oh, we- <laughs> At
0: Detroit Fashion Week! I'm waiting for
1: it. Manifesting.
0: <laughs> so
2: I'm kind of curious then because I feel like there's definitely kind of a. The typical thing is that when people graduate college, they want to, like, especially if you're in, if you're looking to be in creative industries, you want to go to New York or L.A. Are you guys interested in, like, staying around in Michigan and maybe, like, doing
1: it in Detroit? Um, I mean, I do like it here, but I also feel like I've been here my entire life. And, like, it would be great to go out and see and meet other people and learn their experiences outside of my own. Because, like, I do love being in Detroit and I do feel like it's a great place for that, but I feel like— the only, not the only way, but a really good way to really, like, experience everything ever in life is just to go out and see it and go out and meet new people and go out and do new things. And, like, I can't do new things if I've been here, like, for 20 years straight. (laughs) But, yeah, I do love the area. you know?
0: I feel like Leah and I are different in the way where, like, she is building this fashion brand. Like, she's got the clothing, she's a designer. And to really, like, Take off, you need to be in New York or you need to be in like California or those places. I'm kind of taking more of the marketing route, so like business route. And as much as I love fashion, I just don't think I have like the grit and the drive to really start a brand from the ground up. So I think for me, staying in Detroit is something that I'd really love to do from a business standpoint. Like, I'd probably love to start like my new venture in Detroit or like try to work corporate in Detroit, but then also do like my live and style as a hobby and things like that. So for me, I'm definitely looking to stay local, but um, obviously I do want to explore as well, but I do really want to try to be in the epicenter of like Detroit taking off from a business perspective. So I think that'll be really interesting to see. For sure. So we definitely
2: all know that, like, we're all a part of Vim Magazine. (laughs) We've already, like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) plugged them a few times. I'm kind of wondering, like, because you you kind of mentioned that that's, like, obviously a huge resource for anyone at MSU who loves fashion. Mm -hmm. Is there any other, and you mentioned, like, the ATD program as well, too. Is there any other kind of, like, different, like, networks or communities or resources that you found either, like, at MSU or maybe just in like the Lansing area, even Detroit, like any kind of communities that have kind of helped you tap into the industry that you kind of said it really well, that it's like definitely there and existing, but it's not super highlighted. Like where have you kind of found those little pockets?
1: So I feel like um, in Detroit, there is like a community of not just like designers and stuff, but like artists and creatives. And I feel like a lot of times people connect through, like, Instagram and stuff, meeting people. Um, There's this place in Detroit, downtown Detroit, called the Plex. There's so many events that happen there. People perform there. People do poetry slams. It's like, a lot going on, I feel like, especially in our, like, generation or the people who are around our age, a great way to meet other creatives like that in Detroit is by going to those events and by talking to people. I have a couple friends who I know, who I've known for years, who are, like, Either they're doing the music thing or they're doing the fashion thing. And I think, uh, you know, I just—it's really nice that you can meet people who are like-minded in the same city as you, doing the same things or having the same aspirations as you. And um, up here in Lansing, I found that not only VIM, but there's also other um, organizations like uh, Trendistry, I believe, and, uh, you know, just other communities within this community— That are found, you know. No, yeah, I
0: agree totally on, like, the social media aspect because, I don't know, I think a lot of people in Michigan feel like, oh, the Midwest is so boring. Like, we don't have any fashion. Like, we don't have—it's, like, all flannels and, like, (laughs) Timberlake, And, like, I found that from TikTok. Like, the people in my comment sections are like, oh, my God, you're doing all this in Michigan? Like, what the frick? So I think it's just, like, reaching—I feel like to be an entrepreneur, you kind of have to be very extroverted on a certain level. Yeah. And if you're not, it can be hard to sometimes make those connections or not be embarrassed to reach out. So I'd say, like, Vim has been, like, my number one community, sort of, in East Lansing for fashion. And through Vim, it's, like, reaching out to people that I met at a meeting or I met at a shoot and, like, what are they doing and, like— Where have they been, like, um, I was just at a shoot, and I posted my makeup last semester on Instagram, and some guy reached out to me. He is, like, the CEO and founder with his brother of Knitworth in Chicago, and, yeah, Did you do mirror? No, I did not, so he asked me, he was like, could you send me some portfolio pictures, like, and I didn't even know if it was going to work out, and, like, we're friends because my friend lives in his house, (laughs) but, um. (laughs) I didn't end up helping him. But I was like, oh, my gosh, these type of people are in Lansing. And these type of people are in East Lansing, like, these big businesses. And, like, Net Worth is crazy. And, like, Leo with Just that Fashion Week. Like, there Mm -hmm. are people, like, in East Lansing. You just really have to find them and seek them out because they're on their grind. Like, they might not have the time to reach out to you, but they would probably love to be reached out to. So, yeah. No, that definitely
2: sounds like, again, (laughs) like, the entrepreneurial spirit. Like, you've got to go out and... And search and seek and find find these communities. But once you do, like, I mean, clearly they're there and clearly they're, like, really yeah. thriving. I kind of want to ask about finding your audience. Um, kind of because both of you have a slightly different way, obviously, finding, like, customers for the clothing. And then also finding, like, followers and, mm-hmm. like, a community for the blog, the TikTok, the Instagram. I'm almost kind of wondering now, like, because you kind of touched on how— how people like ask you like, oh my gosh, that's like you're doing all this in Michigan, right? Do you think maybe being in the Midwest and having more of like that, not like struggle, but you know, like having <laughs> a little bit more difficult to to break in, do you think that maybe like strengthens your community and strengthens your audience? Like how is that, how have you found that maybe being in the Midwest for fashion has actually helped you out in other ways?
0: I think the Midwest is a really like niche market, but it's also like, Actually, niche is not a good word because it's, like, a huge, (laughs) kind of a huge market. And I found recently, like, on TikTok, I started a series for Valentine's Day. It was, like, how how to romanticize your life when you're not in the most glamorous location. (laughs) So I was and all of a sudden my first video went completely viral. And the whole comments were, like, Oh my God, like I live in Michigan because I started off the video. I was like, do you live in a boring town in Michigan? That was the tagline. (laughs) And like, that's what got them. Like I got people from Wisconsin, Minnesota, Michigan. And I think from like an quote unquote like influencer standpoint, the Midwest is like a really great market because people are bored (laughs) and like and like Detroit is like New York to someone in freaking Wisconsin or like Minnesota you know what I mean so and even like I'm from metro Detroit so Troy has like a bunch of restaurants and like things like that and like someone in my comments was like I don't even have a Target in my town like how do you expect me to go to Target and I was like oh shoot (laughs) so it's like going and trying new places in Michigan can be really like interesting to some people and I think it's also fun, too, because, like, I was at the bar once, and this girl comes up to me. And she goes, oh, my God, are you living style? And I was like, what? I was like, yeah, <laughs> I am. <laughs> and I just think it's so funny because East Lansing is also so small. And it's, like, the amount of eyes on your content is way bigger than you think it is, even if they're not liking your posts or, like, commenting or engaging. Like, people are seeing it. And it's all, like, I think not being scared to be cringy or, like, embarrassing and just being out there mm-hmm. is what— Sets you apart from other people because in the Midwest, I feel like people think eyes are on you everywhere with small towns and things like that. So people are embarrassed to like do things, be a be influencer or something like that. But honestly, I don't give a so. It's like (laughs) so it's like kind of working in my favor,
2: you know. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Kind of like having the, the fearlessness to do something unique and do something yeah. like true to yourself. Yeah. I will say I saw some of your videos in the, in the series. I literally love that. And when you opened it up, like, do you live in a boring town in Michigan? I was like, girl, yes.
0: <laughs> and it was funny. I was even at the Frostbite shoe and I was like, does anyone want to film one with me today? And before I could even say anything... This one girl was finishing my sentence to my opening of the video. So, I was like, do you live in a boring town in Michigan? And she goes, or anywhere else in Mid-America. And I was like, girl, I didn't even tell you to lie. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> She's like, she oh, I've knew. just seen all of them. I was like, oh, my Aww. god!" So, that's fun. That's always cool.
2: Yeah, because everyone can kind of, like, everyone kind of relates to that, to, like, the boringness of it and, like, wanting yeah. to do something unique. Mm-hmm. I will also say… I didn't even realize that you guys are filming a TikTok at that shoot.
0: Until <laughs> You're in the background. I literally,
2: I didn't even realize it was happening until I saw it on TikTok afterwards. And I was like, how did I not notice that? Like, y'all were like gallivanting around. It's <laughs> like, what the heck? I didn't even, I was not even aware of that. That's like completely off topic though. You were in
0: business mode taking photos. Yeah,
2: I was so, I was so focused and I was really being a hard worker. Um, okay, so I had this question because I was talking to my boss, shout out to Aaron. Um, he was, I was kind of talking to him about like the direction I wanted, this episode to go and kind of talking about, like, the the Midwest aspect. I don't know if this is true. He had this idea, and I was kind of curious to know if you guys kind of feel this. So he was kind of talking about, like, maybe there's something to be said about, like, the the focus on practicality of, like, the Midwestern kind of life. I hate saying that because I feel like we're all, like, farmers (laughs) or whatever. But, like, something where has that—do you find that that kind of shapes— your own fashion style, the practicality, maybe a focus on, like, even sustainability. Like you said, you did, like, thrift flipping. I'm going to mess that up so bad. But, like, oh, yeah. the thrift flipping, like, do you kind of feel like that maybe shines through in in how everyone in this, in, like, the fashion industry who kind of comes from Michigan or the Midwest,
0: like, how that kind of affects our own style and our own values? I, I think it might be the reverse, actually. Like, being so confide in like the, the flannels and Tim's like I said before <laughs> like I think some people are like in the Midwest are craving something more crazy so I feel like a lot of designs that do spring from the Midwest are a little more like out there and a little more crazy but then there's also like the like Carhartt for example mm-hmm. is very Midwest mm-hmm. like that's the type of brand and vibe that is the Midwest you know and um That's definitely, like, a comfort thing, you know? But I think a lot of, like, true, like, designers like Leah and other people, like Sabrina, Spanta, living in Bloomfield and all that stuff, like, your designs are kind of your imagination and what comes out. And they tend to be a little more, like, crazy and out there rather than practical. Mm -hmm. But then I also think of Infinite, like, the sustainability and, like, the reversibility. And that's very practical and very, like, wearable. So, I think it really just depends on, like, who your market is, really. If, like, you want to be high fashion or you want to be, like, more, not mainstream, but, like, uh, brick and mortar, like, Carhartt and things like that. So,
1: I definitely think, uh, for me, I do agree with Olivia with the whole, like, opposite thing. Because, like, when I look outside and see (laughs) snow, like, today, (laughs) the last place I want to conform to or be at is Michigan. So I definitely try and think outside the box when it comes to my things. I definitely go for fantasy. I definitely go for stuff you've never seen before something because, not saying I'm crazy, but I do live in my mind a lot. (laughs) Um, And like, yeah, I just really love that to show out and stuff. So I guess the lack of that in Michigan makes me think that way. But I also do agree um, with, you know, streetwear and Carhartt, especially like with men's wear fashion. Men's Men's wear is like specifically for like, uh, you know, use, you know, utility and stuff like that. You know, that's why men have like really long pockets and stuff and <laughs> girls have like little short pockets and whatnot in their clothes. And I just feel like um, it like like Olivia said, it just really depends on the market that you're trying to get to. If you're trying to go for, you know, the practical, you know, you just need this for the weather. You need this, you know, like, and a lot of times designers do put that practicality in their in their work, um, and it shows through, but there's still a design aspect to it. But for me, I just feel like I want to stray so far from that, that I just tend to go way off the deep end and just into something that probably wouldn't be as practical, but that's what design's about, so.
2: Absolutely. That's so interesting. I love that. That's definitely true, like, now that you say that it kind of, like, Yeah, you kind of want to live in the fantasy world. Awesome. I love that. Kind of another question that I wanted to ask Leah specifically about finding your audience. Mm -hmm. Is there—this may be, like, completely different, but, like, I've noticed kind of as, like, a photographer who does, like, some freelance here and there, sometimes I felt like—especially more in high school because you said you also kind of started designing in high school. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's a little— weird to find your audience and also price your either product or service when a lot of your audience is your age especially Mm -hmm. in like younger in high school what was kind of your experience like did you have anything where maybe in the beginning it was kind of like setting your value and setting like the worth for your pieces was that like kind of an like an interesting
1: experience it's definitely very difficult um you have to think about first what do you value yourself as What should people be paying you for you to put your work in and stuff like that? And, like, when I was younger, I had a hard time doing that because I would make something and I wouldn't even realize how long it took me. I did all this work and I'll just have somebody pay me $30 for it. (laughs) Or I'll make something for somebody and they wouldn't even... For me, you know, it's just like a lot of experiences where people are lowkey doing me dirty, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, I think the best way to make people respect you and your prices is by you respecting that yourself and you telling people, well, this is who I am, this is how I come across, um, and this is what I deserve to be paid. This is what I feel like my work is worth. And you know, um, it did take me like a while to come around to that because, like you said, like a lot of the people who are interested in my work, a lot of times are younger people and stuff like that, so I don't try and do anything too crazy. But I do try and stick to what I feel like I deserve. If you want me to do something that I feel like it's going to take me at least three hours, I hope you don't think you're going to get a cheap price for (laughs) it because I'm taking my time, my value. I have to pay for these materials and stuff like that. A lot of people don't see the other side of that. They only see the price. They only see, oh, you want me to pay this much? Why? It's like, I got to Ooh, I got neck pains. I'm making (laughs) you things. (laughs) This, This took me three hours to do. I'm doing things by hand. This material costs like $50 a yard, and you want a cheap price. And it's like, ooh. And it's like, at this point, it comes to, like, am I doing all this to help you with your price and devaluing myself? Or am I valuing myself and letting you respect me off of that? So. Yeah, it's just been a long time coming. Like, it's been many times where I um, just undersold myself and, like, felt bad about it later. And then it's just, like, a learning experience. Like, after every time that happened, I just had to think of ways, like, well, how can I make it so that I'm happy and they're happy? But I still feel like I'm just not giving my work away for free, basically. So.
2: For sure. I really love how you said, like, to make them respect it, you have to respect your own thing. I feel like when you're confident in what, what you're putting out and how you're valuing it— You'll find like the audience that is interested in your stuff and also values you will find you. They like you've will. gotta stick stick true to that. That's, That's definitely true. like really good
1: advice. That's I think so hard though. It's oh my god. Super difficult. Oh my goodness. But yeah, like you said, if you set yourself at a certain value, people who also set your set you at that same value will come and find you because they see your work. They deem you important enough to pay you that because of what you show of yourself. Like, if you're walking around super confident, they'll be confident in you, too. You can't um, just expect people to pay you stuff just because you say, like, oh, well, I think you should do that. (laughs) They're going to be like, no, why would I do that? Like, you have to be confident in yourself, too, when you're setting these um, boundaries and stuff. Absolutely.
2: So, Olivia, with you specifically, what I think is really interesting about, like, how you started the blog is that, obviously, as we've established, there's not, like, always a ton. Of, it's not like you get, like, a job listing for a, you know, mm-hmm. fashion marketing job casually in Lansing all the time. So I think it's really interesting how you kind of took that initiative to create your own work experience. And instead of looking for a job to add to your resume, you're like, well, no, I'll I'll make it myself. Can you kind of talk about your experience with that? And was that like a conscious decision where you thought like, this is going to help me get my foot in the door, get me that experience, build up my resume? Or like, what what was that kind of like?
0: Yeah, so I actually was originally a journalism major. So I thought that my blog would be really good content to show future employers and whatnot. But um, I wasn't wrong in the sense of future employers. My blog is the first thing I show at any interview. But I really, like, I didn't even know what, back to Vim, but I didn't really know what, like, Vim was when I was in high school. But I did know, like, I wanted to go to either U U of M or, like, MSU. But um, I had my own little Vim going on in high school. Like, I would put together these blog posts, and I would enlist friends to be models. My little sister would take the photos. My mom would copy edit And we'd all get together and, like, shoot. And then I'd write the blog. And then I'd send out a promo email. And then I'd post about it on Instagram. And, like, it was this whole production. And that's how, like, I knew I thought I wanted to work on a magazine. And I thought I wanted to work for a newspaper. But then I got an internship at the Detroit Free Press. And I was like, there's no way I'm working for a newspaper. (laughs) (laughs) It was, like, it was the most amazing experience. But the newsroom is not where I'm meant to be. So I was like, okay, great experience. So then I came into college and with Live in Style, I started posting less and less on my blog because I was like, it was taking so much time to write something I was proud of and then have my mom proofread it (laughs) and then post it. So that's why I started the Instagram. And like the Instagram is still a great portfolio because I do write my captions like more witty and like whatever. So it's not very much like a long form version of my writing, but it's still something like I do put my my Instagram is on my LinkedIn and it's on my resume because I think it's important and it shows like consistency. My Instagram does, not my website. <laughs> I like post th- once a month, but um definitely that was my idea. Making live in style was this is my way of creating like a high end fashion magazine or blog like in my town. And then I can try to influence people like around me, and like my friends would be wanting to be in the blogs or wanting to make videos, and I even tried to make a few YouTube videos and things like that, but yeah, it was definitely just bringing the fashion to me and something to bring to like job interviews and whatnot awesome,
2: I love that that's also I'm just gonna keep saying it. it's also entrepreneurial, like <laughs> we love we love to see it here at Burgess. oh my gosh. Okay, I do have to ask, because I saw on your Instagram, and I need to know the entire story.
1: Were you at New York Fashion Week? Like, you've got to give us all the details. Uh, (laughs) Yes, so um, this production, this fashion production agency reached out to me um, about being in their show for New York Fashion Week. Um, They're called the New York FMC, or Fashion Music Conference. That's the production agency. And they reached out to me in November. And like I've just been like so into that. I just been working on my pieces and stuff literally up until the night before I left <laughs> to go to New York. Cause I was just so stressed out and like my mind was everywhere trying to get all these pieces and done and whatnot. But um it was like a good experience. I got to see New York for the first time. Like I think the last time I was there, I was like six, so I barely remember anything except for like the Eiffel Tower. Not the Eiffel what? Tower. <laughs> Oh God, <laughs> the Statue of Liberty! Oh my goodness, <laughs> um, Statue of Liberty, and like, you know, walking down the street and getting like a lunchbox from a, you know, one of the vendors on the side. Like mm-hmm. that's the last thing I remember. But going to New York uh, this time, being older and just like really experiencing the city. Like I feel like it's like such a great place, and I could just have stars in my eyes because like I just went there for that specific reason. But um, the experience of the show itself was like really good. I got to meet um, some other designers. I got to uh, have, like, a little interview with the the lady who was over the show. And then I did get to reach out to some of the photographers and people that were there. So it was, like, really good. And um, other people have been reaching out to me to do interviews and stuff from that, which is, like, kind of surprising me because I'm like, oh, really? You like that? Okay. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, like, I really just enjoyed that process. And, like, I feel like The collection I did, I I had, like, a whole storyline and stuff with it. Like, it really came for me and stuff, and it's something, like, I sat and thought about for, like, a while. So I I guess I'm just, like, really proud of myself and what I did in the time that I had, you know.
0: The full beaded look, I think it had long (gasps)
1: sleeves, was so magical. And then the fur with the butterfly. Oh, thank you so much. I loved that one. I was really stalking. Yeah, they took me, like, a while to do, like, and then, like, us being home for like a month was just like oh that was so amazing cuz i was like yes i <laughs> could just stay home and finish all this stuff and it was it just really came through the way it was supposed to i even had my um My one friend, Trinity, uh, she is a business student at U of M, but she makes jewelry. She's like another one of the main reasons why I really got into business because we like grew up together and she has always had business. She'd be selling like little duct tape wallets and stuff like that. I'm like, (laughs) oh, okay. And she was also a part of the um, same program I was where we went to art fairs and stuff. So she was there with me. She, um, I don't know if you guys saw, but there's like one piece where it's like, bloody pearls and stuff like that. And there's a mask. She actually made the mask and like a lot of the other jewelry. So like she was a big help, uh, like bringing my vision and stuff together. And yeah, um, the collection's called Revenge. And, you know, it's (laughs) like a story of perseverance and whatnot. And just me going through the motions last year with all the things that were going on in my life. But I feel like I was happy I got to convey that with my artwork. So,
2: yeah. So Absolutely, cool. It looked amazing and, like, congratulations. That's such an exciting experience. Thank like, that's so, so cool. So I guess I'm really curious to know now, what is your guys' creative process? Like, both with designing clothing and producing content. Like, how does your brain work? How do you think up new
1: ideas and how do you execute? So uh, my design process, I don't know, a lot of things, like... <sighs> A lot of times, I like, it comes straight from my mind. I don't even, like, make patterns a lot of times. I just <laughs> go straight into touching the fabric and manipulating and doing stuff like that. But if I'm really, like, sitting down trying to, like, figure something out, I will do, like, a sketch and then, like, go from there. A lot of times, my sketch looks nothing like the final product. It might look like the sister or cousin of them, but <laughs> I just try and, you know, because I, I, like, go with the flow. But I don't know. I would say I have a set design process, but it it really is, like, kind of what comes to me. It depends on, like, what the fabric is, like, how am I feeling about it? What do I see it as? And, like, you know, what can I create out of that? So, yeah, a lot of times, like, I sit down, think of things, even, like, when I'm in the car on a car ride or I'm just, like, having an epiphany or something. I go to my notes app and scribble something down and then draw it later. Or I might just even just make it off of, like, whatever little scribble scrabbles I have in there and then like yeah yeah that's my design process it's not that um I guess it's not as um you know structured or whatever but I don't know as a creative I think like a lot of times a lot of things aren't structured just kind of come to you and then you feel them for what they are Um, no because I feel exactly the same way like I was trying to put it
0: into (laughs) words but like there is no plan. There's no process. There's no nothing. It's, it's it's really all off the cuff, and it's based on motivation and inspiration. You're right. So if I'm feeling motivation that day, I'll, like, make, like, seven videos. On another day, it's raining. I'm sad. There's no videos coming out today, yeah. and I'm posting something I made the other day. Like, it's purely, like, when you feel it and when you're passionate about it, then it's going to start. Like, same with Leah. Like, when I sew, there's no pattern. Like, there's no nothing, no sketch even. It's just vibes. It's just vibes. (laughs) (laughs) Like, sometimes it's, like, you just gotta—it's, like, all instinctual sometimes, which is hard to say when people are looking for advice and when people are looking for a process to follow— But unfortunately, it's like if you are really good at something or you're really passionate about something, there's really no process. Like it really just flows and it just happens. So even like writing a blog, like I write a majority of all my blogs in about 10, 15 minutes and it's just me writing and writing and writing and writing. And then I'm like eight paragraphs later, I'm like, okay, we're done. And then then my mom reads it and obviously we fix everything that was like. I say LOL in my blog sometimes, which is just me talking, and so we gotta change that. But um, yeah. So same with like content; it's like spur of the moment, like, hey, do you want to go try this new cafe? Like, yeah, okay, let's take pictures while we're there, and then I'll post it. And it's all like, I don't know what's happening tomorrow. I don't know what's happening in the next hour, like <laughs> you know. So things like that. Like I think the process is like hard to pinpoint. It's all like very like creative flow, and yeah.
1: Yeah, like Olivia said, it just kind of comes to you. Yeah, just vibes. (laughs) Just vibes. And, um, yeah, I feel like, honestly, everybody has their own creative process, um, you know, or it wouldn't be their own. It would just be, like, a set thing you're supposed to do, you know. And as, like, a creative, you just kind of, you know, just feel it out, I guess. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, um, when I work with clients and stuff, I do kind of have more of a process. Like, I... um, Oh, tell me what they want. I'm like, okay, let's tweak it so it's something more unique. Because a lot of times they send me pictures of people, other people's stuff. I'm like, I'm not copying somebody's <laughs> stuff. Um, and then um, I get their measurements. I make their stuff. Um, we have a fitting. If it's too big, I'll size it to them. They like it, and then go home. And that's usually how that goes, but yeah.
0: Yeah, and Leah, I don't know if you feel this way, but like— Something about being an entrepreneur and a creative, which kind of sucks, is, like, nobody's telling you what to do. Yeah. It's, like, like I'm in the discovery program right now, and the whole point of it is it's all at your own pace, okay? Uh. And I'm, like, hmm, can someone give me a deadline? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So it's, like, because I talked about, like, it's when the inspiration strikes. But if I'm on a deadline, the inspiration will be flowing. It has to strike. Exactly. <sighs> so, like, with your clients, you probably feel, like, a need to oh, get things yeah. done. Yeah. So, like, with Live in Style, no one's telling me to, like, There's needs to be a blog on Wednesday. There needs to be one on Thursday. <laughs> so, it's kind of, like—and I could set those deadlines for myself, but I choose not to. So, it's kind of just, like, a for fun thing. But with, like, my venture that I'm trying to start, like, I know this is, like, serious, real stuff. So, I'm trying to set, like, deadlines for myself. But I think a hard part about being someone really creative and an entrepreneur is the autonomy and, like, this whole propriety, like— that's really hard. Like keeping yourself accountable, you have to and have yeah. a lot, a lot of
1: self discipline. Yeah, which
0: <laughs> lacking. We're getting, we're getting there. We're getting
1: there. Yeah, and then I, it's hard too, because like with the self discipline, a lot of people, I don't know. A lot of people looking at entrepreneurs and wanting to go into entrepreneurship find it to be like, oh, they're just doing it because they—it's so yeah. easy—and it's not. You have to be on your own head. Nobody's going to tell you. You need to get this done by this day, or you need yeah. to get up and practice and do something like that. Because a lot of times, um, people ask me like, "What am I making stuff for?" I'm making it just to make it. Because yeah. if I'm not doing something constantly every day, I feel like I'm like not. Mm-hmm being on myself because nobody else is going to do that for me. Like, you know, people can um, congratulate you and tell you things like that. Yeah. And like, that's cool and that's nice, yeah. but like, that doesn't um get that, you anywhere. Yeah, that's yeah. not going to get you anywhere. You have to be yeah. able to push yourself. And yeah. yeah, that's like the hardest part about being an entrepreneur.
0: And that's what separates like good from great. It's like who can who can keep themselves accountable? Mm. Like who can keep going? Mm. Like, I think that's definitely what being an entrepreneur is like who can keep it up (laughs) yeah
1: yeah, it's hard yeah Yeah. a lot of people uh, they don't understand that and it's like especially like when you have like certain friendships or relationships where you're like I have to get this stuff done nobody's gonna get it done for me if I don't do something nothing's gonna happen (laughs) so yeah it's just people who don't understand that mindset it's just kind of hard for them to like get exactly what you're trying to do yeah (laughs) <laughs> no, I literally I love
2: all of that. Like everything you guys just said, I swear to God, I was writing down the timestamp in the recording because I'm like, soundbite, soundbite, soundbite. Like that's like absolutely amazing. I think that's like really, really insightful and like also like really good advice. Like you've got to be consistent. You you can't just rely on like. I feel like I always see. I don't know if it's like a motivational quote, but people say like <laughs> motivation and like inspiration are fleeting, but like commitment is what's really going to set you apart. You've got to depend on like, getting into the routine and being really committed to what you want to do. And like you said, like, that's what separates good from great. Mm-hmm. And that's that's who's going to last. I think mm-hmm. that's really important to kind of remember because people do have that, have that view of entrepreneurship sometimes kind of maybe being, like, the easy way out or, oh, I'm yeah. going to be my own boss. Nobody's <laughs> mm-hmm. going to tell me what to do. But
0: like you said, like, that can be a
2: double-edged sword for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, my therapist tells me to write a contract <laughs> with yourself because that's the only way you're going to get shit done. So I find myself frequently writing contracts with myself. Like on Friday, your time is up and the disappointment is what is the consequence. (laughs) So it's like sometimes you just need someone holding yourself accountable to get things done and that person is nobody but yourself. So my advice would be if you want to start a business or you want to start selling things on Etsy or you want to start being an influencer or blogging, it's all about consistency, which I am still learning and I'm still working on. But that's, the road to success is consistency and hard work. Yeah. So, but honestly, a majority consistency. So,
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah, I have to agree. Um, you can, like, have, like, so many skills and stuff like that, but if you're not consistent, yeah. then them skills are, like, they're going nowhere. Exactly. Um, Like, you do have to work hard and stuff like that. But yes. <laughs> when you get to a certain point where you're doing stuff, like, you can also, you know, be nice to yourself and have a look at that. Not too many days off. <laughs> but just, like, you know, something that can reel you in and bring you back to, like, okay, where's step one again. You know, because it can get kind of difficult when you're always – there's, like, things running through your mind that you have to do and stuff. But, yes, definitely consistency. So consistency, consistency, consistency <laughs> is key. Because if once you stop, nobody's going to start it back up for you. You have to be your number one fan. You have to be your number one supporter. You have to – be behind yourself 100% or nothing's getting moved. You have to be that. And I might do that contract thing.
2: It, <laughs> it, it, it works. It works. That does so. sound like a really good idea. Yeah. Yeah. I feel so motivated now. Wow. wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, I guess at this point, I would just want to give you guys the opportunity to just, like, self-promo plug all of your socials, websites, because obviously everyone after hearing all this is going to want to see everything you're doing. So (laughs) just give us all your handles, all the URLs, and we'll check you out.
1: Okay. Um, So my Instagram is Leah, L-I-A, Gabrielle, G-A-B-R-I-E-L-L-E, designs. Um, And my Website is the same as leahgabrielle.com, TikTok, Leah, L-A-G, baby. I probably should change it, but it's okay. (laughs) No, I like (laughs) it. But, uh, yeah, uh, those are all my socials. Uh, That's my business stuff. Um, My email, if you want any inquiries, is uh, my first and middle name, again, dot inquiries at gmail.com. So reach out to me. It's also in my bio on my Instagram. Yep. So
0: my main Instagram is Olivia O L I V I A, and then Simone with three E's, so S-I-M-O-N-E-E-E. And then my blog Instagram is Live L I V In Style with three E's. We <laughs> love it. Mm-hmm. The names were dangin'. Um <laughs> And my website is Live In Style dot com. And oh, my TikTok is Live dot Simone with three E's. <laughs> I think, I think, yeah, we love it.
2: We'll fact check it and make sure. Okay, good, we'll good. put good. the links to in um the, the description have? of the podcast. <laughs> okay, where all awesome. podcasts are found. Okay, well, that's all the questions I had for you guys. Yay. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank this you. has been Thank such you. an amazing yes. conversation. So
0: I feel like famous right
2: now. I know I'm you really like we're like famous. I know what we have we to love say. It. <laughs> no, seriously, this was like absolutely amazing. I feel like oh. everyone's gonna love it. Thank, Thank you. you. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. I really, really hope that you enjoyed it. I just wanted to give a quick shout out, a quick update on the amazing things that both Olivia and Leah have done since we recorded this episode. So Olivia showed her designs in the Vim Magazine fashion show, which were absolutely stunning. Definitely go take a look on her social media. And also the new venture that she mentioned a couple times throughout the episode is this really fun business that she's starting. I believe she's been in our discovery track here at Burgess and it's called Soup and Sip. She was at our Venture Kitchen Grand Opening, and we also just wrapped up the NVC last week, which is our pitch competition. And she was a semifinalist with Soup and Sip, which is so exciting. Amazing job to her. Congratulations. And as for Leah, she has done a couple more runway shows. She's been creating so many incredible designs. All of her looks are so creative and unique and mesmerizing. I feel like literally every time I open up Instagram or TikTok, her content pops up. Like she's always doing something new, something beautiful and exciting. So I would definitely recommend checking her pages out as well, hitting her up for custom work. And like we said, everything will be linked in the show notes. So definitely go support her both of these amazing women. That is all for this episode. Once again, I really hope that you enjoyed this kind of continuation of our really creative entrepreneurship conversation. And thank you so much for listening.
0: The Hatchcast is brought to you by Burgess Institute for Entrepreneurship and Innovation. The Burgess Institute for Entrepreneurship and Innovation empowers students to learn through action by providing campus-wide programs, courses, and resources to test ideas, Foster an entrepreneurial mindset, develop empathy, and create new ventures. Learn more at eship.msu.edu.
2: Hatchcast is an ongoing collaborative project. This podcast was co-created by Aaron Richard, Tyler Mihai, and Kurt Krieger, and is produced by and under the supervision of the Burgess
0: Institute for Entrepreneurship and Innovation
2: at Michigan State University,
0: William Rowan, Gabe Hales, and, and Diego Fernandez, are sound engineers and editors.
2: Our co-producers and co-hosts include
0: Gabe Hales, Diego Fernandez,
2: Karina Stankowski,
0: Gabe Burke. Daniel Toys Charlotte Batchelor
1: William Rowan and Aaron Richard Original Sound is created by Kakia Gaudina and
2: Karina Stankowski If you have any questions or comments please feel free to reach out at hatchcast at msu.edu Thank you for listening Thank you for listening Thank you for listening Thank you for listening Thank you for listening